Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hooray for Hollywood. Hooray for Hollywood. You're so misunderstood. Keep shining like you should. Hooray for Hollywood. Hey, this is Brett Gursky. Welcome to another edition of On the List. Today's Monday, February 16th, 2015. This is episode number 39. My guest today here in the studio with me is a very talented director whose new movie, The Duff, hits theaters this Friday, February 20th, Ari Sandel. Hello, how are you? What's up, Ari? How you doing, man? Is this your first podcast? Or uh, I, It might be, yes. <laughs> I think so. I got that impression that this might be the first. Yes. Um, and you're also the first Oscar winner I've ever had on the podcast in 39 episodes. Really? Yeah. So not only do you have the honor of having an Academy Award, but you have the honor of being the first. I'm very honored. This is a pressure, on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk all about that. Um, so I, we just hung out on Thursday because yeah. Thursday was the big premiere of your movie, The Duff. That's um, correct. So how was Thursday for you? Because I feel like it, it felt like not only just a culmination <clears throat> of that movie, but it felt like a culmination of your career up until this point. Uh, it was, I'm not going to lie, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, I had 17 family members <laughs> yeah. at my house. Did they fly in or they're from here? Some flew in, my brothers, my brother, my sisters, my aunt, her grandkids, <laughs> I mean, everybody. That's and awesome. And then the producer of the film, Mick G, kind of as a joke, but also as a thank you, got me a Hummer limo, which is, you know, you don't show up to a premiere in a Hummer limo. It's considered very tacky. Wow. But it's kind of hilarious. Yeah. So I said, you know, it'll be fun for my family. I think a Hummer limo is better than like a prom limo. It, it is a pro. No, no, it was a Hummer stretched limo. Okay, it well. was as prom as cheesy. As it, it had a little VIP area in the back of it. It was super cheesy. Okay, but it was kind of awesome. The family loved it, of course. And uh, I, I herded them into this limo, and then we went to the premiere. And uh, you know, it had any, to be any, surreal. Anything you can do where you can bring your family to and right. and watch them be proud of you is awesome. Yeah. So that was it. Was a great night, man. We I, we went. We the movie played amazingly well for a premiere because usually a premiere. I a premiere audience is very tough. Right. Because, uh, yes, everyone in there is excited to be there and they're hooting and hollering and they're laughing, but also it's a lot of very stiff executives and agents, so right. it's usually a, t- a tough crowd, but it played very well. And it was at the Chinese Theater, so which the, is pretty historical. Yes, that which was, was nice. And then the after party was at Dave & Buster's, which is right next to Red Hollywood and Highland, right. which is also featured in the movie, so that kind of... Right. Played in it's a, Dave and Buster's is a running joke in the movie, yeah. so we had to deal with them, and so we had a party at their at their place, which actually was fun. Yeah, it was, it was a fun cool. place to do. And then I had an after party at my house. Yes, which I, the second I planned it, <laughs> I was already regretting. I, I put a lot of pressure on myself when I throw a party. Yeah, well, so, I should say that for people who don't know that you have a legendary holiday party. Yes, if not every year, every other year right. or so, and it, you cover your pool with a dance floor and get a DJ, and you have a dreidel disco ball. I do way more than that. I turned my cabana into a gingerbread house. Right. I hired a sexy Santa scuba diver to swim under the water, <laughs> right. and she would blow up balloons with a helium tank underwater. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I do a lot. I cover my house Griswold style, but right. that's just Christmas. Then I do, I have a New Year's party sometimes. Right. I have a lot of barbecues. I do a lot of parties. Yeah. But whenever I plan a party, the second I send out the invite, the there's a level of anxiety that hits me, right. which is ridiculous, but I can't help it. Like, oh my God, no I one's going to come. Yeah, this is going to be the worst. Why did I do this? I hate, I should have never sent it out. So as soon as I started thinking I was going to do this, 
I already regretted it. And, and I'm like, I have family coming in. This is a premiere. I don't have to worry. Now I have to worry about whether. Were uh, they staying with you? No, during, but, but now, I, now I'm worrying. Instead of thinking about the premiere and enjoying the night, now all I'm worried about is I have to get home in time to open up my house for my late night. Right. To, and who's going to come? Right. Having said that, I was fine. Yeah. I actually ended up fine. I sent a, a buddy of mine went home before me to open up the house. Right. I got home at like 11.15 and there were seven people in the house. And okay. I was like, ugh, okay, this is going to suck. But then all of a sudden people started trickling, trickling, trickling. Right. It was nice. We had about, I don't know, yeah. 75 people there maybe, which yeah. was perfect for a Thursday night, late night impromptu thing. And yeah. It was a great time. I thought it was successful. Yeah. It yeah. went to at least... Four. I think I was there till four. The last person four. left my house at 4.45. Okay. And I was like, I'm like, everyone's got to go. And they're like, oh, okay, let me just charge my phone. I'm like, no, no, no. Everyone's gotta go. Okay, let me <laughs> okay. charge my phone. Okay, fine. And then 10 minutes later, okay, you guys got to go. Well, well they have to, still charging. Well, yeah, they have to call an Uber somehow. Um, but I also noticed at your house that uh, you had a couple Duff posters up, yeah. framed, which is cool. I like that you do that. You're, that's my personality, too. Some people... There are no signs of like work well, in their house, yeah. but you don't no, shy I, away from it. Well, here's the thing. I put them all over my living room and my dining room for only for that party. Yeah. Really? I, I won't do that. I, I, what I usually do it's is I cool. put those in the, I put those in the guest room. Okay. So then when people stay at my house, they're surrounded by <laughs> right. my accomplishments. Your work. Yeah. Director's chairs. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's a, that's a bad thing. Um, I like when people are proud of their work and they figure sure. out. No, absolutely. There's actually a cool Duff poster. That's a, uh, it's like a mirror. And basically it says like, if you, don't know if you're if you don't yeah. know who the duff is in your group then it's probably you and right. the whole poster's a mirror so it kind of can just stay on your wall and double as a mirror I, that's true <laughs> that is true that was the first promotional poster they put out which i which yeah. was, i thought was pretty cool it i've never seen a, a, yeah. a movie poster as a mirror yeah it was cool yeah. um and so this is this come, the movie comes out on friday this is the final stretch in terms of like promotion um so let's talk about it so explain what the duff is for people who don't know uh, the Duff is a movie based off of a young adult novel called The Duff, The Designated Ugly Fat Friend. It was written by a girl named Cody Keplinger when she was 17 years old. It was right. her first book. I remember hearing about that, uh, that a yeah, high school senior got a book published. Yep, and she's really a, a, a brilliant girl. She's like 24 now, I think, but she's really, really a talented writer. And, um, you know, essentially it's a movie about learning to believe in yourself and not worry about what other people think about you. I mean, that's the overall message of the film. I think right. it's very applicable to not just teenagers, but people of any age, because I think you never stop learning that, that <laughs> lesson. Right. Um, but it's a movie it takes, it's about bullying, which I think is very timely. And yeah. it's also a, a romantic comedy. And do you think that phrase, so designated ugly fat friend, mm-hmm. when you first hear it, it sounds controversial. But then right. when you see the movie or read the script, I mean, it explains that, yeah. you know, you don't have to be ugly or fat to be the designated ugly fat friend. I mean, here's how I got the movie. Yeah. Um, when I went in to meet on it, I said, look, I have a friend named Jeff Stoltz. You know Jeff Stoltz. <laughs> yes. Jeff Stoltz is a six foot three handsome guy. Whenever he walks into a room, every girl's like, oh my God, that guy's hot. <laughs> totally, I'm used to it. Then I met his brother, George Stoltz. And the joke is, is that George is just slightly better looking than Jeff. So as a result, <laughs> we call Jeff the ugly Stoltz. So the whole point it. is, it, it doesn't matter <laughs> if you're actually ugly or fat. The point is, this is about group dynamic, and there will always always be a group in which you are the less good-looking person. Right. But who cares? Right. It shouldn't matter. If you feel great about yourself, then you're the best in any group always because you feel good about yourself. And it shouldn't be a competition. So you're, you, you know, you there will always be people taller than you or faster than you or more talented or richer, and none of that should affect how you think about yourself. And I think that is something that's hard for people you know, to fully master. Right. And it's a constant lesson you're teaching yourself, especially if you're in your teenage years. And I think that's really what the movie 
you know, the core of the film is about. And it's nothing to do with being ugly or fat because Mae Whitman, who plays the, the lead, she's in Parenthood, <laughs> right. is not ugly and not fat. Right. And, and she's quite cute. But it just so happens that her predicament in this story is she's friends with the two hottest girls in school. <laughs> right. So she's constantly comparing herself to them. And right. so the whole point is don't do that. Right. And it's not just looks. It's, it's almost like uh, she's the most approachable. Right. Yeah, so that has to do with it too. So the idea is is that when you're the duff, you're you, there's kind of a role you play in the group dynamic. One is to make your your better look your friends look better, and the other is to be the more approachable one because no one's trying to hook up with you. So <laughs> if they have questions about your hot friends, they always come to you. Right. And so they can find out, you know, right. does she have a boyfriend? Right. And when you find out that she doesn't, then it's like, can you hook me up? Mm-hmm. And she sort of just resigned to that role. And, and now, you know, Cody didn't invent this word. Cody actually, the, the writer, actually heard this word being used at school. And she thought, what does that mean? And she thought it was such a clever, funny, yet slightly mean word. She's like, I'm going to write a book just based on that word. Well, I've heard that she thought she was the duff of her yeah, friends. Well, because I think she was, she was called the duff. That's crazy. And so, you know... Or she heard somebody else being called the Duff, and she thought to herself, "Wait a minute, I'm the Duff of my friends." And the funny thing is, is you know, you could, anyone can be the Duff. Brad Pitt is somebody's Duff. That's right. the whole point, right? You know, uh, Channing Tatum is somebody's Duff. There's yeah. somebody better looking than Channing Tatum. If he's standing next to him, <laughs> then guess what? He is now that person's Duff. Right. So you know, there's something to me that always was fun and funny about that. I have little sisters who are 15, twin, twin, 15 year olds. Uh, okay. And so the message to me isn't that far removed right you know so i think uh i don't know there's something that, that I, I like movies with messages so yeah well i was gonna say that uh, as I long like... as long as it doesn't hammer it on the on the head right and well it actually it had fun with it it was self-aware of it mm-hmm. it didn't take itself too seriously and it explains you know that like you said like obviously may whitman is not the ugly fat friend but in that situation in a high school setting she might be referred to as that compared to her friend right um but so every generation i think has a movie like this uh i think in the 80s it was can't buy me love with patrick okay. dempsey i think in the 90s it was she's all that okay. with rachel lee cook right. and uh freddie prince jr and then in the 2000s it was mean girls right uh and now in 2015 so the duff i think it, it follows in this tradition of this classic high school comedy where there's an outcast who suddenly becomes popular and the ramifications of that and i think you know especially with can't buy me love Patrick Dempsey gets he pays the hottest right. girl in school to make him popular. Can't buy me love is such a good movie, dude. But I think it's in the I think it's in that vein for yeah. sure. I think you this well, is a new it. Can't I, Buy Me Love. If it can be in that vein, then you know I I think to me I always wanted it to be something kind of close to Mean Girls or Easy A. I, you yeah, know, Mean Girls to me is like untouchable. It's it's an, an, it's it's that high up as far as a an amazingly well made film. Yeah, yeah um, but I think this is feels kind of in the vein of Easy A. Um, at least that was the approach. I didn't want to make a, ver- a a silly high school movie. I wanted to make something that was a little bit edgy, a little right. bit grounded and it's real. It's actually very edgy because you have daydreams, and in a daydream you can pretty much get away with anything. Right. And so yeah, I... Yeah, there's all sorts of sexual stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. So it didn't really happen, but they imagined right, it, right. you know, and so you got away with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we'll talk more about the specific characters in a minute when we talk about the casting. But um, so I remember when it was a book and then I remember it became a movie. And I remember Mary Viola, who's a friend of mine, got the rights to it mm-hmm. and through McG's company. She's a producer, yeah. And she's a producer on it. And so when and how did you get involved? Um, was it an open directing assignment? I, long story short, I met McG on a, at a meeting and... I had about 30 minutes to I had a, they came to me and they said, "Look, Mick G, okay, just so any people listening, Mick G is a a, a very well-known director/producer. He yeah. directed um 
uh, Terminator 4. He directed We Are Marshall. Charlie's he's most Angel. famous for directing Charlie's Angels. Yeah, both of them, yeah. And he's a producer. He's produced a lot of TV. Chuck and Nikita and also and The O.C. and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it? The O.C. was the big one. Right. So I had a meeting with him years and years ago to pitch him something. And they said, look, McGee has a f- he's 50 minutes. He has a hard <laughs> out. He has to leave. I'm like, oh, okay. I walk in the room. And I happen to notice he's got all sorts of stuff in his office. I happen to notice there was this wooden artillery shell sitting on the floor to the left of me. And I walk in and went, oh, what? where did you get that? He's like, oh, that's a practice shell from World War II. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they made them out of wood because there was a copper shortage. So they made all the shells out of – he looks at me and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just – I'm kind of a history nerd. He's like, me too. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, specifically I love military history, which is true. Is it true? And, yeah, yeah, I'm a total <laughs> history nerd. And he's like, me too, man. He's like, okay, quick, what's your favorite war? And I'm like, wow. um, well, that was, I've never really thought about that. So right. I was like, well, I guess to study maybe World War II. He's like, me too. So we just had this romance <laughs> right. the second I walked in the room. And we just kept talking about military history and D-Day and World War II. Then it got into the Korean War. Then we're talking about Vietnam. Then we have about – and Mary Viola is in the room and rolling her eyes. Like, Please kill me. <laughs> right. And then she – somebody comes in and says, um, Michi, you have to leave in five minutes. She's like, okay, let's get down to business. And so I start to pull up my nose. She's like, all right, what do you think about Iraq? And so I'm like <laughs> – It's funny because based on his movies, you wouldn't know he's such a war buff. Like, oh, he's he a total pop history. Cu- it's more yes, pop culture. He does make very kind of popcorn moves for <laughs> yeah. sure. So I'm like uh, – I, I my 30-minute pitch I had about two minutes. Okay. So I condensed it to two minutes. And he's very – one thing that McGee is amazing at is he has so much positivity and energy. Yeah. And he's very well known for this. And, you know, I started to kind of do my spiel in two minutes, the rushed version. He's like, fuck, I love this. This is going to be awesome. And I walked out <laughs> of the room going, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> right. And so, so that actually never happened. But because they liked me, they brought me in on something else called Aim High 2, which was a web series right. that Warner Brothers was doing. And yeah. it was an action comedy taking place in high school. It was actually kind of ahead of its time because it was a digital series. Right. Now everybody does it. Correct. Netflix, Amazon, right. Hulu. But this was on Warner Brothers, like on their website. Right. And it was a very big budget for a web series. $2 million. Yeah. yeah. So, and it was action. I, we had nine action scenes in a two-hour you know, basically movie. They, yeah, they and, cut it had movie. Four, and they cut into 25 minutes. It had movie actors, it had Jackson Rathbone. Right, from Amy Twilight, Garden. Amy Teagarden from yeah. Friday Night Lights. Right. And Devin Bostick was in it from uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. But oh, they, right. they cut uh, this two-hour, basically, movie <laughs> into 24-minute uh, episodes. Right. And um, I had such a good working relationship with them that they said, hey, do you want to do something else? I said, sure. Said, and it was set in high school. And it was set in high school. So it made sense. Totally. So they yeah. said, we're doing this high school movie called The Duff. Want to read it? And I read it and... Um, I thought there was some good stuff in it. I had some thoughts on how to what I thought it needed to make it a little more edgy and real. Yeah, and it kind of just took off from there. That's cool. So that that uh, two minute pitch that you finally got out led to something. Yeah. Um, so Listen, you never know what where what's going to lead to what. I teach a class at USC in the film program. You do? Yeah. I didn't uh, know that. To the grad school. Yeah. To to on what to do your first four or five years out of college, like how to get an agent, how to pitch. To studios, how to make a sizzle reel, lookbooks, tear sheets, how to break wow. down a script and discuss it in notes that is a language that the executives speak. I so, wish I took that class. It's a great class. <laughs> I wish I knew about I, it 10 listen, years ago. I went to USC and they never taught it when I was there and they still don't teach it except for my class. And I know the students come out of it going, wow, I, I mean, I know how to make a movie, but I don't know how to get a job in the business. How'd so, that come about? Was that your idea? Yeah, because they, I, I just said, you know, I called them, I said, look, it's taking me five years to learn this stuff and I have a lot I can, you know, relate to these students yeah. on things that, it, you know, if it would have been articulated to me even the first year, it would have changed things for me. Right. So I said, these these kids should know. Yeah. 
So I do that. And one of the things I talk about is that story about how I met McGee and how you never know what ha- you know where things end up. Right. I, I've talked about it on here a lot, but like my version of grad school was being an assistant to Brett Ratner. Right. And it's like I learned more the first day working with him than four years of For undergrad. Sure. It was For just sure. I saw it all happening. And I was like, oh, that's what that guy does. That's what that. sure. And so it's like once you get the hands-on experience or the first-hand account from you, you learn a lot. Um, so... I'll tell you why I like this movie so much. We talked about this, so it's smart, it's edgy. But I think also anytime you think something's going to be a cliche from a high school comedy, you kind of turned it to, turned it on its head a little bit. Right. Like it doesn't, the scenes don't go where you think they're going to go. Yeah, that was the hope. I mean, I, I told him, like, I don't want to make, I don't want to make a cheesy, soft, bubblegum, Sweet Valley yeah. High comedy. I'm not going to do that. And right. I also don't want to make a movie that's a chick movie per se. Yeah, I, I it's not. make it safe for guys too. Right. I thought Easy A did a good job of that. I think yeah. Mean Girls does a good job of that. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to make a transformation movie. I don't want to make a movie where it's about a girl has to look a certain way in order to get a guy. I said, first right. of all, it shouldn't be about getting the guy. These are all things I tell my sisters. I'm like, don't, you know, <laughs> your sense of self-esteem should not be based on what guy you're dating. It should right. be based on you. So right. I don't want to make a movie that, you know, propagates that. And I think we tried to stay away and I, from that. And I think Mae Whitman also felt that way and liked that. She wanted to make a movie that was smart and was about empowerment. Right. And not about, you know, kind of those tropes. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons it feels fresh and modern and original is because of the use of social media. So um, talk about that because you basically mention in the movie every form of social media right. there is because the kids get their cell phones confiscated. Right. And they can't use any right. Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Um, and the same way Mean Girls had the burn book. Now you guys take it even further than a right. burn book because there are embarrassing videos, videos. that go viral. viral videos, I mean, yeah. and there that goes back to like the cyberbullying, and so that I feel like. Did you feel like because of social media, you could like the damaging effects could well, be so much bigger than a burn book? Here's the thing, um, I, uh, I high school has not changed for the most part. Right, the, the basics of high school and teenage, uh, you know, what they go through, what teenagers right. go through. Having said that. I don't know anything about social media. <laughs> I am computer illiterate. I mean, yes, I have Facebook and I use it, but other than that, I don't know how to use anything else. I just right. told you, I, I barely even know what a podcast is. Okay, <laughs> you know? right. But you, you text at least. Yeah, of course, I text, right. yes. But, but can you imagine if we had texting in high school, how much easier th- certain it, things would have been? It would be, an, listen, <laughs> it would be a, I'm glad I didn't have a phone in high school. Okay? <laughs> right, I didn't so. have anything in high school. Right. So... I had to do some research, but also my 15-year-old sisters, I would oh, yeah, always perfect. relay to them and be like, hey, is this realistic? Is this realistic? You could have gotten them jobs as consultants on the movie. Totally. Probably. Well, actually, they are, I used their names as characters. In the oh, movie. you did? Uh-huh. Which ones? Um, what are their like names? side characters. You, know, you just what are their see names? the rolling credits. My, my sister's name oh, yeah. is Maya, and the other one is Lee. Oh, cool. That's um, funny. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we tried to incorporate teenage life as it is today in the world of social media because bullying – you know, it's one thing when you have one kid picking on you or pushing you or whatever. Right. But now, it when you put it out in the open for everyone to pile on, it really is a lot worse. It's magnified. Yes. So it's not like everyone's talking about bullying nowadays. It's not like bullying just started. Right. It's just that bullying has become magnified by this amplifier. Yeah. So and we, it's so quick. I mean, a video can be yes. posted and viewed and shared so quickly yeah. that it's also it, a lot more anonymous. Yeah, I mean, well, people oh, can right. say things, even if their name, their handle is on there. It just, for whatever reason, people feel more comfortable saying something off the cuff. Yeah. 
on a on a computer than they would to somebody's well, face. Well, I remember even like dead, when Deadline, the website, started coming out and people would leave comments. I'd be like, that's so mean. Why right. are they doing that? Like, right. I thought this was like a professional website yeah. that's announcing like a movie's coming yeah, out. Right. And now people are just being so mean yeah. in the comments. I try not to read them. It's like, and it's because it's anonymous. No one would ever say that stuff to your face. <clears throat> I mean, you know, I, I, I love, the, the, to me, the, the harsh criticisms or comments on about anything I've ever done on that are on the internet <laughs> yeah. are hilarious. Well, to you me. can laugh at it, right? I laugh at it because I just feel like, how can somebody write? <laughs> right? Why does somebody care so much? They, t- I've like, I'm not kidding you. I've never left a comment on anything. I believe you in my life. <laughs> not on a website. Not on a Facebook page. <laughs> I just don't have any interest in leaving a internet footprint like that. Right. So the fact that people do that to me is hilarious. Well, I always think when someone writes something negative, I'm like, well, how could they have done it better? Because like I know what goes into making a movie and they made the best possible version of that movie with the money they had and the time they had and the actors they had. So when people make comments, I'm like, could you have done it better? You know? I mean, look, it's not like I don't have opinions nor, or, or, talk some shit but right I don't, but you're not I gonna write it, it down right of course you're right of course you have the opinion but no. there's no reason to i don't want my publish it. I, I don't need my negativity to be, to be my legacy <laughs> right you know i don't exactly. need my great grandkids in in 60 years you know reading some shitty thing i wrote about right. somebody else exactly yeah and so in the movie there's a so bella thorne's character has a like a well, first of all, I should say Bella Thorne's character, Madison, is meaner than the Mean Girls, I would say. It's next level, I think, in terms you know, of her. In- her character's a little bit, I would say her character's a little bit more one-dimensional in that she is more of the villain. Yeah, well, she her behavior than is... Rachel McAdams is in Mean Girls. And that's yeah. one thing I think is so brilliant about Mean Girls, is that Rachel McAdams is not only is she a bitch, <laughs> but you respect her, man, because she's smart at what she does. Yeah. She is really good. Yeah. Um, and yes... She also Bella's, becomes the victim, Rachel McAdams. That's true. You know. Bella's character is a little bit more of your traditional bitchy girl. But yeah, she's definitely a bitch. Yeah, but she has this sidekick character that films everything right. on her phone. And right. she gets embarrassing videos of Mae Whitman's character, right. Bianca. And right. then those are what go viral. Right. So I think, you know, it did it did show how quickly it spreads. And you guys do some really cool things in terms of like, were those your ideas to uh-huh. how to show social media yes. on the screen? Yes. And how, what it looks like when a video goes viral. Yes. Just the amount of counts and yes. just Actually, the devastation the, the of the original it. way we had it. So for people who are listening, if they haven't seen the movie, there's a scene. Well, they haven't yet because it comes out. That's right. true. So <laughs> there's a scene where this video goes viral and we literally watch it go viral from phone to phone to phone to phone. So it becomes yeah. millions of people watching it originally there was a scene that we were going to go into the phone and kind of into the (laughs) tubes of the internet and what i thought was a brilliant idea and i still think this is brilliant i'm going to do this at some point was instead of the video replicating itself just like copying itself it was going to like pull apart like dna like mitosis oh wow and it would go (laughs) into little pieces and become like so it's almost an organic version of digital viral right but we couldn't. It just it wasn't working. It just didn't happen. Visually, it wasn't. I couldn't get the people to do it right. So no, I, but I think I you pulled it, it off. Yeah, no, yeah. it looks fine. And it, it looks shows good. going viral. And you mentioned that you just joined Instagram. Correct. In real life. So how's, yes. how's that um, experience Please follow been? me. Well, here's how it worked. At Ari Sandel. Um, at Ari Sandel, yes. R-I-S-A-N-D-E. So I don't even know what at Ari Sandel is versus... <laughs> here's the thing what I don't understand is... That's your tag. I was with Jeff Stoltz and we took a picture and he's, I'm like, yeah, post that. He's like, all right. I'm like, and then hashtag me. He's like, he's like tag me, idiot. Right. Not hashtag. Hashtag like, is oh, totally different. Right. So I don't know what the difference is between tagging someone in the photo... Yes. Then 
mentioning right them. mentioning them at, at Ari Sandel and then hashtag. What is the difference between those okay? Two? So it links to you in your name in the if he's talking about you, like okay. follow my friend Ari Sandel at you Ari just, Sandel. Right. So then okay. I, you could press that. Got he it. can also tag you in the picture for the same kind of what will effect. get me more followers. Uh, probably mentioning you in the caption, and then the hashtag doesn't really. The hashtag just creates sort of a theme. So if you press the duff right. under like pictures okay, from the premiere, you can see all. Anything people, people post on, about the duff. Do people go on Instagram and type yeah. in search hashtag Ari Sandel? Yeah, either search it or they see it under someone else's and press it. I would, that, never, it's I would never do that. Dude. You might. So this week you should just to so, see what people like opening day of the movie. People are going to Instagram pictures of like them at the movie and with their tickets. Really? Yeah. Like holding their tickets. The people are going to Instagram ticket stubs and like tag Bella Thorne. And so and then hashtag the duff. So if you press the duff. Hashtag, you can see pictures from okay. all around the country. So here's how it so started. So this weekend, you could try it. I, I've been fighting this for a long time. Yeah. And then I was in Australia, and finally I was like, all right, fuck it, I'll do it. Okay. Yeah. So I set up this, this this girl showed me how to set up this <laughs> thing, so she set it up. Within four days, I had 400 followers. I'm yeah. like, damn, all right, that's yeah. not bad. So I thought, you know, I'm on my way to building an empire. You are. For a month, <laughs> I had like another... 40. Right. <laughs> so it was like four a day. It totally, right. tr- totally trickled out. Well, yeah. I feel like your bromance with Jeff Stoltz helps your following a little That's bit. That's true. Every time he posts something, I get about another yeah. 60, 70 followers. See, people who know you guys know that it's a joke, but I wonder if there are people out there who actually think I, you, know you two what? are in a relationship. I thought about it. We've taken <laughs> now two photos where we're doing the joke half heart thing with yeah, our hands. You guys make a heart with We your make hand. a heart with our, with our fingers. <laughs> and we were kidding. And now there's two of them on there. So And then, and <laughs> right. then, and then Jeff wrote, uh, put it out on Valentine's Day. Yeah, so, and I was thinking about that. Yeah, he put a picture of you, but he also said go see the movie. So it was That's actually cool. a nice bait and switch mm-hmm. there. Um, I actually saw Jeff yesterday. He's part of this thing, this Team Hollywood thing for Build On, where they build houses, houses in Africa. Yeah, he told me about yeah, or no, schools in Africa. Yeah, and so they had a charity event yesterday. I saw him there. My friend Travis Van Winkle put it together, and they raised eighty seven thousand oh. dollars, which builds three schools, which I wow. thought was actually pretty impressive. That's very nice. Yeah, and a bunch of Hollywood actors that people think only care about themselves right. actually go to Africa and build schools for other people they so. go there to build it themselves yeah they physically build the schools yeah, I mean so he I hope those are, are I hope they're up to code yeah um, so yesterday my friend Travis said to me because I said to him you know I'd love to go on one of those trips someday that seems so nice what you guys do like going to Africa and building schools and he goes I'd like to see you outside of your comfort zone like no mirrors no Instagram <laughs> and I was like is that what I am like that's my comfort zone mirrors and Instagram and he didn't mean it that way but it was pretty funny um, so another thing about the movie so I knew immediately that it was going to be good from the first few minutes because of the performances, I think. Because, okay. you know, high school comedies can be tricky yeah, yeah, for in sure. terms of, like, the actors and the okay. chemistry and do you believe that they're really in high school. Um, so I think casting makes or breaks a movie. And immediately, Mae Whitman and Robbie Mel and Bella Thorne were just, like, in it, you know, and you knew you were in for, like, a fun ride with them. So I wanted to talk about the casting a little bit. Also, sure. being friends with you, there were moments in the movie, I was sitting next to our mutual friend, Jordan Ross, uh-huh. and there were moments where I would, like, turn to him and just be like, oh, that's a very Ari thing. Yeah. You know, like, you could, you really put yourself in the movie, too, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, so, casting the movie. So now, you guys put out the breakdowns for a character that's the designated ugly fat friend, mm-hmm. and I wonder if, at first, agents were like, I can't bring this to my client. Um, some actresses were like, no way. Right. And some, Before reading the script. Correct. Right. And some were like, uh, hell yeah, because of the t- thing. They thought it was an interesting challenge and an interesting um, title. And yeah. they thought, I want to, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I remember thinking who is going to, when they announced yeah. the movie, who can play that role, you know. I mean, look, it's, an inter- it's, it's kind of an interesting dilemma because th- you would think, well, you need to get somebody who's heavy. Well, <laughs> right. there isn't. 
there isn't anyone who's quote unquote heavy who plays teenage who also means something in the box office for a studio to get behind right. her. So it's very, it's very hard. Yeah. And for teenage girls, and this is kind of a sad statement. I mean, all of the most notable teenage actresses are like really hot girls because <laughs> yeah. that's who they hire. They right. only put hot girls in roles for playing teenage girls. It's really, it's, it's kind of, and I didn't realize this until I started casting. I was like, wow. So, and they come, they sort of come out of this Disney Nickelodeon And, they, and a lot of them machine, come out of, right. And I didn't. And they're cookie cutter, all American, beautiful. And I was pretty sure we didn't want to come out of that world, unless the girls are really brilliant actresses. I mean, look, Amanda Bynes came out of that world, and I think Amanda Bynes is brilliant. Before she went nuts, she, yeah. she was brilliant. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it, to me, it came down to, all right, who, who is a really good actress who brings the right tone? And I thought from the beginning, one of the people we were talking about was Mae Whitman. The question yeah. is, you know, does she want to do it? She read it. We met. She liked it. She had some thoughts. She had some issues with some things. Um, you know, I'm very open to making things more workable for an actress. So yeah. we talked about what those were. We I found out we were really m- very much on the same page, which was good. Um, she came in red with with uh, a couple other people just for like a chemistry read to see other guys with yeah. her. That's and, the fun part, I think. Those mix and match. Yeah, it's interesting. Things. It's yeah. interesting. You know, it, it just kind of clicked, man. I felt like, look, if we put Mae Whitman in this thing, we're really saying, making a statement. We're setting a tone. Right. Like, this is a movie that takes itself seriously. Right. So that, I felt really good. When the studio was like, all right, let's go with Mae Whitman, I was like, fuck yeah. So then we just, now we build it around around her. Right. And Parenthood is a critically acclaimed show, so she comes with a, I mean, she look, comes with some clout in that way. Like agreed. And yes, and so she, you know, she's known enough and and what she's known for, it's one thing to be known, okay? There are a lot of Disney stars or Nickelodeon stars or right. young actresses who are quote-unquote known, but they're not necessarily bringing um you know, a certain amount of acumen, artistic acumen to right. them. She's a known actress that people really respect her. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I think she makes the movie. I, I think so, too. I mean, she does a great job. You're rooting for her the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the kind of thing where in Mean Girls, like, Lindsay Lohan's character does kind of become the mean girl, and you kind of start to feel bad for the right. people she's right. sabotaging. But that, that that's not what this movie is. No. This movie, you're rooting for her throughout the whole thing. Yeah, and I think the the guy who plays the love interest. Yeah, so let's talk about the character Wesley, played by Robbie Amell, mm-hmm. who I've known for years because we, oh. we have a mutual friend, Nick Nicotera, who everyone calls Nick Knack, okay. and uh, he they've been hanging out forever. And so, like when I used to throw a party at Coco Deville in two thousand eight with wow. Nick Knack, he used to bring Robbie Amell and his girlfriend Italia Ritchie, who uh-huh. now has a show, and uh, his cousin Stephen Amell, who's Arrow. And so th- I've watched these. Amel kids just blow up and then I really think this movie showcased him the best I think he well, really you know here's the thing I did didn't really job. know much about him when he first came in I, I thought I thought he had uh, you know I thought he had an interesting look. I was a little bit worried, like, God, is he too good looking? Because then, you know, you put the handsome guy in the role and everyone goes, oh, God. <laughs> right. You know, like 16 candles. Typical hot guy. But he's really charming and he's smart. And what he's good at is he plays an accessibility to him yeah. that you might not think he would have because he's a good looking guy. He he seems like a guy you would be friends with. Yeah, that's the thing. And, right. And so he's he's a sweet kid and he's 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 a really, I mean, in as as the character. In real life, he's a really smart guy, and yeah. he's really funny. And I didn't realize he was that funny. He, you know, we, we would have all sorts of lines, and some of them were great, and he would deliver them, and some of them were just okay. And I'd be like, "You got anything better?" And he 
would pull all sorts of stuff out of his hat. And oh, I was like, wow. Cool. Yeah, that's, listen, whenever you work with an actor who can come up with alts on their own, that's that's awesome. Yeah, and what's cool with him is he the character starts out, you think he's just going to be the dumb jock who right. dates the hot girl. Right. But when you put him in his element, which is help make Mae Whitman's character cool, right. then he shines because he really does know what to teach her and how to like pick up guys. He like They go to the mall together and he forces her to talk to guys. and Right, to get over her shyness. Yeah. And that that's something I brought to the script that wasn't in there before, but I had worked on uh, another movie called The Game based right. off of yeah, book of The Game, which is about how to pick up uh, how to pick up women. Yeah, that movie still has to happen. Somewhere. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I... I have definitely helped many of my friends who have just gotten out of relationships kind of regain their confidence and learn how to, you know, approach people, not in a cheesy way with lines, but, you know, even I had a friend one time who had just gotten divorced and he was very depressed, hadn't been on a date in, in 15 years because he'd been with his wife since high school. Yeah. And we were at a bar one night and he's just like, I just want to go home. Nobody wants to talk to me. This is just, I, I, I don't want to leave. I want to leave. I'm not getting laid. I, I want to go home. I'm like, here, this is your problem. First of all, stop trying to get laid. Okay. Why don't you just learn how to have a conversation first? You don't even know how to do that yet. Okay? Right. You're like a disaster. You're a walking disaster. I said, here's what you, I'm going to give you an, a, a, a mission. If you want to leave in an hour, fine. But for the next hour, I want you to approach three girls, and I want you to pro- I don't want you to find three things you have in common with them. That's all you have to do. Three things for each girl. Okay. So if that means you're both drinking the same drink, boom, talk about that. You went to the same college, boom, talk about. Just find three things right. that you have in common. And I said, don't get her number, and don't try to get laid. And his head kind of cocked to the left. He's like, really? I'm like, yes. And it took a little bit of pressure off of him, but it taught him how to just have conversations instead of having an agenda. Right. And that totally helped him. And so we slowly kind of brought him back into the, you know, (laughs) reintroduced him to the wild. (laughs) And so that became part of the story here was that Robbie was a little bit of her coach, um, in helping her gain her confidence by giving her these missions. I want you to go talk to 15 guys. They're in the mall. I want you to go talk to 15 guys without falling apart, you know, or I want you to go up to that guy and get his number. I want you to do this and do that. And so I think those things are, it's fun when you, when you get pushed out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And those scenes are really fun. And so those, that wasn't in the book. That was, Oh wow. No, no. brought that to that. Yeah. And then it wasn't in the book and it really wasn't to a small degree. It was in the script, but it was written very kind of small. Look, the the Robbie character in the script when I first came to it was a little bit smaller of a role. Oh, really? A, a little bit smaller. And I wanted to make this a bit more of a two-hander, and I felt like the the Robbie character was a voice I can personally speak <laughs> yes. through. Right. So I added a lot to that character because I felt like I had more to say th- through his voice. Yeah. You know, he, and to me, he's the guy who's teaching you how to be confident. So And I felt like, okay, I know how to do that. Right, and and he's literally the boy next door, and she's yeah. the girl next door. They live right next door to each other. They've been like platonic friends since right. they were babies. There's right. like a picture of them in the bath together, right. as babies, and which is actually my friend's <laughs> kids? kids' baby picture. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, he let me use it. Oh, I like that. And so the two of them, they it's totally platonic. So it gives him that ability to, you know, just send her out there, right? And tell her to go pick up. I guys. mean, the nature of the relationship is that they grew up together, but when they were little kids and they played in the swimming pool together and they ran on the sprinklers together in the front lawn. But now that they're in high school, it's a little bit of the fox and the hound. He became a jock and she's kind of an intellectual. She has her friends. She thinks he's an idiot and he thinks she's kind of a nerd. So they don't, you know, they pass each other in the, in the driveway, like, Hey, what's up? But they don't really ever hang out. Yeah. But there's some fun stuff where, you know, they do like voices that they used to do as kids and stuff like that. Right. Um, And so his girlfriend in the movie is Madison, who we talked about played by Bella Thorne. Um, 
talk about casting that role because that's not an easy role to cast either because she has to be right. the hot girl. Well, the funny also- thing is, is that Bella originally wanted to be, play the Duff, and I'm like, that's there's just no way this is going to be a totally <laughs> unbelievable movie. I'm right. like, you're, you're, I'm sorry, you're too hot and skinny to be to, <laughs> to play it. to be the designated. And it's not about being fat or ugly, but you're just not. It's just not going right. to work. So you know, we had this other role, and she was open to it, and I think she had a, you know, she. She had a good take on it, and you know she's she was fun to work with, man. She she was really good. Yeah, when anytime I've met her, she's actually really sweet and almost kind of goofy, mm-hmm. like that Jennifer Garner thing where they're hot but kind of dorky, right. in like a good way. But uh, the character she really played the bitch well because she's not like that in real life. No, and I think that's one of the things she liked about the role. Is she got to play a, a bitchy girl. I think you know she she's played so often the kind of a, a sweet girl. She is a sweet girl. She's a really nice girl. Yeah. So I think she liked playing something different. Yeah, she comes from the Disney world too. And so now talk about Bianca's friends because these are the girls that make her feel like the duff, but they're not mean. Those are her friends and they like her and they kind of inadvertently get exiled for being too hot you mm-hmm. know like she's like you guys i'm your duff and they're like we didn't mean it like right. they, we didn't, they didn't even know right we right. didn't purposely make you the duff so those those actresses are skylar samuels plays jess mm-hmm. and bianca santos plays casey mm-hmm. so when you were looking for those girls they had to look different than bella thorne like how was that casting you must have seen every girl in la for that we saw a ton of girls um yeah you know we i i knew you have to be careful that if you pick really hot girls, people assume that they're bitchy. Right. Which is just, I don't know why, but it just you do. It's kind of also like when you when you cast a really good-looking guy as a jock, you assume he's probably a douchebag. Or dumb. Or if you have a guy <laughs> who's playing in a, playing somebody in a fraternity, you assume he's a douchebag. Right. So you have to watch out for people, what people are bringing to it, it, it you know, before they're first watching it. So we're looking for two girls who are hot friends, but... We want them to be smart. Right. We want them to be cool friends to her. We want them to feel real because if she's friends with two bitchy girls, now we don't like her. Yeah, and it doesn't work. And we don't even care that she broke up with them. <laughs> so we wanted people to be torn. Like, damn, like she broke up with her friends, but we do want them to be back together because yeah. they seem like cool girls. Well, and they break up because uh, because she we, feels like she's the duff and she right. doesn't want to be a duff anymore. Yeah, and she knows May uh, Bianca, the character is Bianca, played by May. Bianca realizes that she's never going to be her own person unless she separates herself from these girls. Right. So they unfollow each other on right. all social media, <laughs> yes. which is a uh, funny it's a, scene. It's a standoff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there's another character that uh, he's like the high school musician. His name's Toby Tucker, played by a kid named Nick Eversman. Mm-hmm. So talk about casting that because it had to be a musician who also could act, right? Yeah. That was I, that was the the hope. Um, you know, he came, we met a lot of people, and I had two or three people that I was totally ready to go with. And at the last minute, he came in, and we went, "Oh, damn! Okay, done." Wow! And that was it. Was literally that fast and easy. Uh, he just had a really good look. He was a total sweetheart. He had floppy hair, which is perfect. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, it, it was kind of unusual. He just came in at the last minute. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, did you do ever do the mix and match with more than? Just Bianca and no. Wesley. Oh, so no. you didn't. So you just kind of knew that they would all. Mesh. Yeah, we knew. We, we had. I knew enough that they would. It would work out. Yeah, we and just met. We just did a chemistry read between the, the leads. The leads. So um, now let's talk about the grown-up characters. Okay. Uh, Bianca's mom is played by the always reliable Allison Janney. Yes. That's a great, I mean, that's perfect casting. That's she's like amazing. I feel like you put her in anything and she always nails Any, it. Anything. Yeah. She's a, a not only a consummate professional but just the nicest person and you know ready to go and down to do anything and 
just she's awesome. Was that one of those things where you just thought of her for the role and yeah, offered it to I, her? I, I mean, from the beginning, she was somebody that we were talking about. Um, you know, it became an issue of uh, availability, right? You know, anytime you're doing a movie, you have such your schedule such a moving target. So that was always an issue. But yeah, I think she was. She was amazing. Yeah, she's so good in that role. Am I too. talking into the mic enough? Yeah, you can come closer yeah. if you want. Do I have to? <laughs> I like to. bring it to you. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, all right, I, I was, sweet sounds. Oh, of that's good. Yeah, perfect. Um, so also with Allison Janney, I was going to say that her character is a motivational speaker mm. and who's been through a divorce, and so she talks about what did she say? It's like the. It's like the five stages of grief, but right. she changed it to the five stages of... Of, of Duff. Of well, no, she changed, it, she changed it to the five stages of divorce. And then, and then you then use she, it. The idea was she actually writes a lot of these five-stage books. Right. We, we actually cut that part out. But right. yes, she applies the five stages of to everything. Right. And then you guys, as a device in the movie, have B- the Bianca character go through those same right. five stages. So right. first she's now, in I'm denial. I'm actually curious yeah. to, to you. Did that come across? Because it used yeah, to be a course. lot more. Well, I actually We used to wondered. actually have cards... That st- would say anger, and then okay. we get to the next one, depression. See, it's interesting that you and say we that. we took those out. Okay, because when it showed the denial one, uh, and then she's in denial that she's not the duff, then later she says she's angry. Right. So you didn't need to see it, but I did wonder, is it going to keep going back to the board? I wouldn't have minded if it did. I but wanted it, didn't need, it to. It, I wanted yeah. it to, but it, that was nixed early on by the studio. Right, yeah. But you did film it, so you could have... No, what we did was they were black cards. Oh, okay. Kind of like Tarantino in in right. uh, oh, okay. in, in Pulp Fiction. So they thought that you know, was, it was a little... just very plain black card with a, with white writing that you'll say <laughs> stage three depression. Got it. Stage four, you know. Right. I guess maybe a card that says depression isn't fun in a teen comedy. I liked it. <laughs> I liked it as a kind of a little chapter thing. Well, I liked when it when it panned over to the board and then zoomed in. Right. The mom's like five yes. stage thing that yeah. worked for denial. Yeah. I did think it was going to keep happening, but you know. I think yeah. a savvy viewer will pick up that right. she's going through the five stages because she does deny that she's the duff. Then she realizes she is, and she gets angry, and right. then it continues yeah. throughout the movie. And there's acceptance. And, acceptance, yeah. yeah. Well, we don't want to give away the end. <laughs> well, then, um, then these ninjas come, and there's just dinosaurs <laughs> and explosions. And right, exactly. And so the other adult characters in the movie, you got Ken Jeong to play uh-huh. the teacher, who's also one. the newspaper right. editor. Of the, t- of the school newspaper. So right. he's, uh, yes, he's kind of the teacher slash mentor. Right. And I feel like that's someone too. You're like, he would be perfect. You go after uh, him. From the beginning, I said, let's do that. Let's go with him. Yeah. And I think he was interested in it because <clears throat> he's so used to, he plays a lot of really broad, crazy, comedic roles. Right. And he's amazing at it. And I think he wanted to play somebody that was a little bit more grounded. I think he likes that aspect. Yeah. And he's like, I, you know, I had teachers like this who were... <laughs> interesting and smart and were mentors to me. I was like, I'd love to play that. So I think that was a draw for him. Yeah. And then we have Romney Malco who plays uh, the principal. Plays the principal. He was, he was in 40 year old virgin. Yeah. He's been in a million things. Yeah, he's he's hilarious too. Yeah. Like it, it was a very strong cast yeah. in that way. Like no one felt cookie cutter or cheesy. Right. You know, you got like really strong supporting. Players. So he, he played this, this, trying to be authoritarian principal who also is literally clueless about the internet right thinks he knows so you got that from yourself <laughs> to a degree yes <laughs> he collects everybody's cell phones and then he's in an office filled with everybody's cell phones and they're going off right all day all day uh it's a funny it's a funny it's a, that's a mix between myself and my mother okay my mother doesn't know anything about the internet either. <laughs> okay she'll call me and be like i need help with something and then i'm like all right look close that window i'm not in windows i'm on a mac <laughs> right. like mom they're just they're all called windows right. just, just x 
out. <laughs> uh, the other thing I was going to say about Ken Jong is he's from The Hangover, and so they've been putting him on all the posters and in the marketing. Mm. And I think that's kind of cool too, because it's like the supporting oh, yeah. player. But you can, but they're trying to show people that this is a for you know, sure laugh out loud comedy for sure. Um, Allison Janney should be on the posters too. She's, she's uh, she is on one of the posters. Oh, she is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually saw her promoting the show this week on TV, and she was basically saying the reason she wanted to do it was the message of the movie, yeah. that she loved it so much. So, um, yeah. And where did you guys film the movie? Atlanta. Atlanta. For Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember you went to Atlanta for a while. Yeah. And how I, many, ne- I never how many shot months there. were you there? I was there for three months. Never shot there before. Um, it was great. I, I didn't really see Atlanta because, you know, when I'm directing, I'm a monk, man. I spend every minute in my apartment or on set. I don't do anything but prep. That's I'm, good. I'm in a cocoon. I didn't do anything fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> so you know to a certain degree people are like don't you love production I'm like for me no it's fucking miserable but it where it pays off but it's part of the process that you know you have to do what was awesome was editing because I they put me in New York for the New York rebate for yeah. post production rebates I, I thought that was very interesting and you got to I was there for five months living in an awesome apartment <laughs> come and go as I please when I you know at the edit and I had a, an amazing editor named Wendy Brickmont who edited Mean Girls she, uh, her awesome. first movie was Annie Hall so she's been editing forever. So it's got and that. So, that, so it really does have yes. the Mean Girls pedigree. So, you know, I got to live in New York and work with Wendy, and that was – that's the best five months I've, I've had in the last I know. I didn't years. get to see you. I was, I was back a couple times, but I was yeah. mostly was in Jersey. But you, uh, as a kid from L.A., you didn't really know New York City. Not at all. Right? So that's Nothing. Like, that's I awesome. mean, I've been there three times before, but only for two or three days. I didn't, If you would have asked me where the meatpacking district <laughs> is in relation to – uh, you know, the lower, the lower side, side, I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> right. I don't know. So it was kind of like a reward. It's like, go to Atlanta, yeah. have no social life, film right. this movie, and then we'll put you up in New York City to edit it. Well, yeah. They, <laughs> and, and believe me, they didn't do it for, for me yeah, by any means. They did it because they wanted to save money. But it, it, they, it was between that or London. And I'm like, no, no, no. We're, we're doing New York. <laughs> yeah, let's do New York. London. Yeah. But so now you're in Atlanta and you filmed at a real high school, I'm guessing? Uh, two school? different high schools. Yeah. Oh, really? That was uh-huh. two different schools? Uh-huh. And was it during the summer or was it? Yeah, it was May, May. and June. Right. So they were out of school. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. And then the mall was looked like a real mall. Real mall. That yes. must have been really, that's like Fast Times at Ridgemont High filming a movie in a mall. Um, shooting in a mall fun? is great for some reasons. Production because, value wise. Yeah. <laughs> and because, it, you know, you have all the stuff, you know, if you need a snack or food or bathroom <laughs> or whatever, it's all right there. You don't have to go, you know, walk down a street into a porta potty or whatever. Right. But shooting a mall is tough. We didn't lock it down. So, you know, we shot at a food court and right. you've got like Chipotle chicken sizzling on a grill right behind the thing. And it's just the noise was horrible. Horrible to deal with. Right. So that's something you have to contend with. Right. But you had, did you hire locals? How did that work for? Uh, yeah, locals for extras, locals for the small, small roles. Parts. Yeah, yeah. And of, some of them were good and, and a lot of them were terrible. Okay. So, so you, you just know. Cut around them. <laughs> yes. But it yes. makes it sort of real. Is that the Well, here's the thing it? about extras. Okay. When you hire extras in Los Angeles, most extras are so jaded and disgruntled because there a lot of them are trying to be actors themselves they've right. been doing extra work forever extra work is considered the bottom of the barrel and so they hate being there they don't want to be there they hate themselves and they hate you <laughs> when you when you work with extras in atlanta especially because they're high school these are kids who are 18 19 this is the first thing they've ever done right and this is, you know, they're actually on a movie and they think I'm an actor because right. I'm an extra. So it's not considered a, 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 a thing that's on the low and the pinnacle. For them, this is like they've, they're they've climbed up. It. 
but they also might not want to ultimately be actors. So it's and just a fun. It's just thing some to do. for some of them. It's just a fun thing. So yeah. all of them are super psyched to be there, and because they're from Atlanta or the surrounding Atlanta area, they're from the South. They're super polite. So, I mean, they were like shaking my hands at the end of every day and right. call you, yes, sir. And can you stand right here? Oh, yes, sir. Sorry, sir. And, I mean, so they were just really fun and nice and they were very loyal. And some of the kids were like, I'm only supposed to be here for one day, but can I stay for the whole movie? Wow. Like, yeah. So, nice. you know, they um, they were very, they all became best buddies. We, you know, we had party scenes. And so it was funny. You, you would put people in cliques in the background right. and they actually all became friends. Would you... Like kind of divide them by type. Like you would like this group would. Be I didn't friends. have anything to do with it. Usually, usually the, <laughs> the ads AD. would, the assistant directors would would handle all that. But sometimes I would, I would say, look, can we? There's too many of too many blonde people here, or too many of this. Or too, can we mix it up a little bit? And right. a lot of times they come back and be like, it just happens naturally. We don't understand. We keep trying to mix them up, and then they keep finding each other. That's pretty funny, actually. So, yeah, because that's what high school's like. Yeah, um, and so. How long was the actual shooting? So you're in Atlanta for three months, but the actual, how many days? Did you get, you uh, get 27 shoot? days. That's pretty good. It was tight. It's tight. But. So when you say 27 days, it's five day weeks. So it was about six weeks, but right. but it was 27 days. And it's, so on those, tight. those two days off, you're still working. Constantly. Oh God. Right. Man, come on. Right. I don't, there's not one, there's not one minute, not one minute right. that I am not having a meeting Checking a location, researching, doing a rewrite, yeah, doing my shot list, writing storyboards, sitting at home freaking out, curled up in my bed crying. <laughs> I mean, yes. So you poured a lot of yourself into this <laughs> for sure. Um, I, I lost, I lost uh, about six pounds, I think, which is normal. That's on, pretty on good. A shoot. I always lose weight on a shoot. See, other people gain weight because yeah. of craft service. No, I think no, I, I don't. Would lose. I don't eat. I don't eat either. I don't when I'm working on stuff. I don't eat on set because I don't like to be weighed down. Right. heavy so i eat very little like just snacky foods and a lot of caffeine right so yeah so did it feel like did at any point like because you have a party scene there's a big party like at any point did it feel like a party or not for you just for the that was more for the cast um you mean at during like, the party scene yeah like party scenes like does it ever feel like a big party or you're just yeah in that, work mode? no that was fun yeah. it was fun you know it's more it's more fun it's always it's only work mode when there's stress and you're trying to m- make sure that we can hit our schedule right so when you're actually shooting you're having a good time when you're doing a party scene then yes it's kind of more fun especially because i will stand up on a chair and talk to everybody and say look guys you're at a party (laughs) we're going to be doing this for 12 hours (laughs) the first hour is going to be a party and then by the 12th hour you're going to want to kill yourself (laughs) but you guys are actors and you have to make it seem like it's the same fun party all the way through right and so it's hard to keep that energy up um uh, literally you're shooting this into the middle of the night sometimes so at three in the morning you have kids who are been standing around they want to kill themselves right you because, have to wait till it's dark till you can start shooting. yes <laughs> so we're shooting night stuff yeah and some of it we can tent the house and so it's just black inside it's fine but some of it is outside it has to be night um I, i've worked on smaller films you know where people are like, oh don't worry i'm gonna have my extras my family's coming. I have friends coming. So we don't have to pay extras. Here's what friends do when they come to be extras on your shoot. They think they're uh, being an extra is something you come for like two hours. Right. Or less. And then they go, oh, you want us here for like more? I'm like, dude, you need to be here for minimum eight, probably ten hours. Yeah. In their mind, they're leaving after two. They might stay for lunch. <laughs> They'll give you three and max four. And then they're out of there. Right. They don't realize that they've been established in the background yes. and that they can't disappear. So, you know, and then when, you, when you're working with extras, also the thing about extras is there's always one idiot 
who is trying to get famous off of whatever scene he's the, in the background. He is overdoing <laughs> right. it right. and trying to and, – and screwing it up. I mean there was one kid who we were doing the prom scene at the or the homecoming scene at the end of the thing and he was dancing. <laughs> and the kid was dancing like such a maniac. I was like, dude – Because he wanted the attention. And I'm, pol- I'm polite about it. I'm like, look, hey, man, you don't have to dance quite so much. Try to be a little bit more – you know, blend in. Nope. Didn't want – he kept doing it, kept doing it. Finally, I was with the AD. I'm like – kill that kid <laughs> right. and she walked over and just pulled him out of the scene right. and put like, him in the way far back right. and he was like hmm yeah yeah well you know there are people who are trying to suck attention have and you seen one of my favorite Saturday Night Live skits is Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler are just terrible extras in the background oh, really? at a restaurant and they just keep overdoing the hand gestures and like they have their own little movie going on back there that is you, hilarious you no but that's yeah and that happens and it drives me nuts and here's the thing is a lot of times you don't Less see it more. a lot of times you don't see it until the editing Oh gosh! Room because you're watching. Well, when you're on set and you're looking at the screen, you're looking at just the actors. Right. You're not looking at the background nonsense. <laughs> right. Hopefully, your producer who's watching is noticing that kind of stuff. Other but stuff. if they don't watch it either, you're not noticing until the editing room, and yeah. you're like, "Oh my god, what is this person doing?" Well, the, in the other background? thing too is like you can't play music because it won't cut together. The music's no. added later, so right. everyone has to dance around and move like there's Correct. music playing. Well, what they do tricky. is call it's. It's called a thump track. So yeah. they'll play a bass track that's super, super low. Right. So that people have a certain rhythm that they can ban- <laughs> dance to. But then what they do is they take it out in in post because right. it's a certain frequency. They can just program mm-hmm. in, take out that frequency out of this from sound, and they take the sound out. Right. So there's a there's ways around it. But, yeah, you cannot play actual, actual music. Or what we'll do is we'll play the song over the loudspeakers, have everyone dance to the song for about 10 minutes or 10 seconds. Yeah, and then, and then kill it, and now yeah. the kids can keep going with that song right. in their head. Imagine, right? Right, it's a lot of work. It, it, it really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, really so, is. and how, I feel like there was a quick turnaround from filming it to the movie coming out, right? For I, yes, quick-ish. Less than a year, right? Less than a year. A yeah. May to February. Yeah, that's true. You know, usually yeah, that, you get, that's quick. Yeah. So, did they have this February twentieth release date and? They were sticking to it. They it was between February and April, but they pretty much wanted February. Then we thought April, but then they went back to February. You know, I feel like February is now a good month for movies, like January, February, because of American Sniper and Fifty Shades of Grey. Like now, mm. it's kind of like a hot time to release a movie. This post Valentine's Day. I don't know. Who knows, know. man? I'll, you know, it's funny. They put so much thought and time, and energy, into and analysis into every single weekend stuff you never thought about. I right? Mean, they they have the statistics on every weekend for the last ten years. Right. On how it's done and why and what matters. And in the end, guess what? No one knows. It's just like the <laughs> stock market. You have experts yeah. and they make great guesses, but in the end, no one is an expert. And I heard actually most of the promotion of this movie is social media. It's like mostly a, a digital. lot of it's social media. Some of it's TV. Some of it's been trailers. Yeah. Um, no print stuff. So no billboards. It's interesting. Yeah. I guess they just figured for that demographic. Yeah. Well, my father called me. He's like, my dad's from Israel. He's like, how come there's nothing in the newspaper? I'm looking <laughs> in the newspaper and there's not one. Every movie is in here except your movie. I'm like, dad, because no teenage girl reads any newspaper. <laughs> right. So they're not spending $1 on getting 78-year-old Israeli guys. There. Okay? Don't <laughs> and he's that. already seeing it. Oh, yeah. He, so you don't have to put yeah. it in the newspaper. Um, he called me today and he's like, you know, they did a promotion today. On the Today Show, <laughs> it's the best thing I ever... It's amazing. Everything for him is either right. unbelievable or horrible. So this is, goes for him. He feels like it's unbelievable. He's like, the way they connected to bullying and doing all the thing. This is the most important message ever. Did they, like, like, all right, did they right. see it for the first time on Thursday? Uh, that was the second time. Okay. And they're proud. Of, yeah, course. of course. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like if I directed porn, my dad would still be proud. Of course. Yeah. Because hey, you hey. did it. <laughs> yeah. And so how do you feel with it coming out Friday? What's your feeling this week? Like... 
you're about to give it over to the world. Um, like your job you know, is done. I, I'm fairly zen about it. It's out of my control. Yeah. Whatever it does, it does. And, uh, you know, I've done what I can do. So hopefully, I, I think the movie will, I don't know if it's going to be a huge box office opening because it, it's not really that kind of a movie, especially with all these other big movies that are out. I think it will get a good word of mouth. Yeah, I think it's definitely um, a word of mouth. And I think I think it will kind of grow and have legs as, yeah. a, as a result. I think it's that kind of movie. You know, that's what Easy A did. Easy A didn't have a huge box office open. Right. But people came back and said, oh, it's not, it's a real movie. Yeah. And so I, think I think people will say that. The audience for this, too, is the kind that will download it on iTunes on their watch it on their phones. Right. When that time comes, so it'll have a second life, too, on yeah. what we'd call DVD. God, but. The, thought, the <laughs> thought of watching a movie on an iPhone. I know, but people do it now. I know. Nice. I don't do it. Um before you go, I want to talk, go back a little bit. So we mentioned that you won the Oscar. That was for best live action short for a short called West Bank Story. Mm-hmm. And that was your film school project or that I, came I after did film it, school? It, it was, I did it to graduate from film school, but I did it independently of the school. So right. I, I did it on my own, but yes, I used it to graduate. So when you graduated, you were like, I'm going to make a short. I'm going to show people what I'm capable of. Did you ever have any idea that it could possibly lead to an Oscar? No, I, I was a year before I graduated I was at a crossroad and I thought, all right, I'm going to do one of two things. I'm either going to get in the film business or I'm going to join the Marines. Really? Uh, yeah. And I went to a recruiter and I did a whole thing. And, and so I was like, shit, all right, I, you know what I'll do? I, I have one more year of film school. I'll just finish this. I'll do my grap, my thesis film. I'll do it. I'll get it out of the way and I'll be done with film school and I'll be done with movies. And then I'll, <laughs> once it's done, then I'll go join the Marines. So I went and I did this short film, West Bank Story. And then it got into Sundance. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just go to Sundance with it. And then I'll, after that, I'll, then I'll go look I like back that you're the reluctant, right? successful movie so director. Then, so then it got huge at Sundance, and I, and I got an agent. I'm like, well, it would be stupid to not at least take the next year or two years to try to really see if this can happen. So that kind of kept going like that. And yeah. so the whole Marines thing never, never happened. I think you but. made the right choice. I guess. Um, and West Bank Story is kind of a play on West Side Story. Yeah. It's a Jewish guy in Israel so and a Palestinian girl. It, it, the the logline is, it's a comedy musical about Israelis and Palestinians that takes place between two falafel restaurants <laughs> right. in the West Bank. The, right. The Hummus Hut and the Kosher King. Right. And essentially, it's an Israeli soldier who falls in love with a Palestinian girl, and her family owns one restaurant, and his family owns the other. So it's like... You know, the, you the, did it before Curb Your Enthusiasm. Remember, Curb. that's true. You know, so it's funny because someone just sent me a news article on referencing referencing some food <laughs> war yeah. between Jews and Arabs, and they said just like the Curb Your Enthusiasm <laughs> episode. And I went, man, come on, yeah, I was. I, you I did was it first, yeah. um, And so, how did that? What was that experience like? Because I think you went, you made that movie in two thousand five, right? Yeah. And so it won. It, did the rounds in 2006 it won no, the Oscar it won in 2007 2007 yeah. yeah and so I must have met you in 2006 or 2007 okay your girlfriend at the time Stacy went to Syracuse where I went oh. to school and so we knew each other so I met you through her I oh, I think God, I, I, I remember I know it was a while ago but that night Oscar night there was that big party because Scorsese right. also won that night for The well, Departed correct. yeah so I was at this party the one at the house the late one and uh, Scorsese there was with his Oscar, and you and Stacy walk in, and you have your Oscar. And I, I think I talked to you guys briefly, but it was like I just remember being like, I cannot believe Ari just won an Oscar. Yeah, it was uh, crazy. Guess who else said that? Me. Right. It was just uh, so nuts. And and actually, what's funny is Graham King won for Best Picture, won an Oscar, and his girlfriend at the time was a girl Erica, who I also went to Syracuse with. Oh wow! So I'm watching it on TV, and I'm just and it cuts to the girlfriends and the audience clapping, and I was like, Syracuse is really well represented tonight. <laughs> I was like, you're doing well. Uh, yeah, I never made that movie with any intention of the Oscars. As, as a matter of fact, when I 
turned it in when I submitted it for Oscar consideration. My agent, who's also one of my best friends, uh, was like, listen, pal, it's a good movie. It's not going to win an Oscar, okay? It'll win an Oscar when Hell Freezes Over. And I'm like, I know, I know. Wow. But, but I, you know, I just want to say I, I just submitted it just so I can say I did everything. Right. right. And so when they called me literally uh, like 10 months later and said, um, yeah, I just want to let you know you're shortlisted. I'm like, what does that mean? Well, you're in the final 10 for consideration <laughs> for the nominations. I'm like, for the nominations for, for best short film? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, so you mean the, the kind of thing where if I win or if I'm not, I'm going to go to the awards? Yeah. <laughs> and if I win, I'm on stage? Yeah. The, this is not the one where they hand it out the month oh, right. before the during the ones. commercials. Right. She's like, no, no, it's the real thing. And I went, thank you. Click. And I hang up. Now I got to wait six weeks. And I, I'm like, <laughs> shit, should I tell anybody or not? I don't know. And then I thought, you know what? If I don't tell people and I don't get nominated, no, no, no one's ever going to believe that I was almost nominated. Oh, okay. So I was like, I'm going to call everyone I've ever met. <laughs> okay. So the first thing I did was I called my agent and I said, guess what, pal? Get a fucking jacket because hell's about to freeze over. Wow. I just, I'm about to get nominated. He's is like, that, what? Is that still your agent? Yeah, he's like one of my best friends. Who's that? Who's your Phil agent? Phil oh, Okay, right. And uh, he was shocked. Okay. And then I just kind of casually called everyone I ever met and would say, hey, what's going on? Cool. You haven't talked to you in a while. Cool. Oh, me, nothing, not much. Just, you know, almost nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> like the almost. Yeah. Wow. You kind of put it out in the universe. I was though. an idiot. And um, then you finally, the morning of the nomination. The morning of the nomination. Stay up till 5 o'clock? Well, no. I, I, I got woken up at uh, like, like 6.30 a.m. or something. Yeah. I think it's and, earlier. And the five. phone for six weeks didn't stop ringing wow. literally did not stop ringing I mean people call me from all over the world uh, friends I haven't talked to in years <laughs> my when I, I when I actually won the award that's crazy. the next morning I had a thousand emails a thousand in one night and by the end of the week I had four thousand emails my, one of them emails was from my fifth grade school teacher yeah it's bigger than your birthday your uh, bar mitzvah. Oh, dude, it's, it's the biggest thing that can happen it, it's the craziest thing it, that's ever happened to me. So, of course. I mean, you set far. the bar very high for yourself by winning an Oscar yeah. the first time out. Yeah, it's a, it, it, it does kind of, it does mess it up. Was there any sort of campaigning that you could do in those weeks between the nomination so, and winning or no? For a short film, it's, it's hard to campaign because unlike, unlike where all of the screeners come to people's homes, for the short films, you actually have to go to the theater to see it. Right. So it's not about convincing people to vote for your film. It's about convincing people to go. <laughs> right. And so to a certain degree, no, there's not much you can do. But I said, screw it. I'm going to do it anyway. So I, I got an ad in the in Daily Variety, which said, for your consideration. Nice. You know, West Bank Story, which is the douchiest thing you can no. do. But I was like, you know what? I might never be here again. I'm doing everything. I got a That's... publicist. I was on Al Jazeera. I was on Fox News. Oh, I was good. on Headline News. I was on everything. That's good. And so I pushed as hard as I could. And at one point, I thought, oh, I'm definitely going to win because <laughs> everyone was putting me as the number one likelihood so you know that may starts to make you think oh i have the best chance but about two weeks before everything started to change and everyone was favoring my biggest contender which was a movie about a little girl in africa who wants to go to school and this was the year that oprah winfrey school had just opened right. so that was like a real subject of the month and i thought shit i'm gonna lose <laughs> and my father tried to place an online bet in a casino on a casino in australia oh and they God. gave me the the worst odds and wow. i'm like shit i'm i'm losing this thing i can't believe i'm gonna lose so I went to the awards freaking out, and when I sat down in my seat, the the guy who was the other movie, the big contender against yeah. me, he was on the aisle, uh, and I was five seats in, and I thought, shit, they put him on the aisle because they know he's going to win, and they course. need him to get out of his chair easier, and I'm like, son of a bitch, I lost. So Ellen DeGeneres is up there doing her song and dancing <laughs> her spiel, and I am freaking out for at least 45 minutes. 
That's... And I don't remember any of it. And then all of a sudden they call my name and I remember walking up the stage and I remember walking off the stage and I remember nothing oh about being on stage. I remember watching it. I remember you were very excited. You should be. I, I don't even, I don't remember. Have you watched it? Of course. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like me. No, some people when, don't. When I'm at home, uh, I watch it every morning. And crying. <laughs> every... I, yeah, every morning I start my day with <laughs> my Oscar win. Yeah. My affirmations of watching. What well, is nice when you walk into your house, you have the Oscar on display, which is a nice. Um... Yeah, but not where you can see it. It's, well, isn't it's it up, up, on the upstairs. staircase? Upstairs. Oh, it moved all the way upstairs. No, it's yeah. always been upstairs. I upstairs it was... in a in a cabinet. I thought it was while you up the staircase. It was kind of like in a like on the way up the stairs. I thought that I saw it. If you stand on the bottom of the stairs and look up the stairs, <laughs> okay, you can yes, see it. Okay, yes, yes. listen, if I get one, it's going to be on a podium with a spotlight on it. So, well, you know, so. it's it's noticeable enough if you know where to look. But my house got robbed, and they walked right past it. So oh, good. good, okay, good. Um, well, yeah. So, like I said, you're the first Oscar winner, so that's a good story. Yeah. I like that. It, and it so, was it was a crazy experience. Man. Yeah, it was crazy. And then all of a sudden, people are like, we. They trust that you're a good director and they want to give you features probably. So then it was a lot of it, years. It helps. Of... I will also say, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on you because I got really precious about my next project. Not because I thought I was so brilliant and, and I'm better than everybody. But, you know, everyone's going like, wow, you just won an Oscar. What's your next movie going to be? Yeah. And you're like, holy shit, what is my next movie going to be? I want right. to go home. Right. So, you know, you start to get really nervous because you feel a pressure of now you've got to either live up to that or beat it. Right. And I, I got gun shy on a lot of stuff. So yeah. I think that slowed me down to a degree. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't take it back for anything. But but it does come with a certain level of pressure that I think when it's your first thing out the gate, it's pressure you don't know how to deal with. Right. But you can cross that off the bucket list for I, now. I can definitely cross. Until you I'm want. Like, now now want, I'm like, no, I want to win another one. Well, you want director for I need feature. some more Instagram followers. Right. That'll help. <laughs> um, but you, I remember you gave me good advice with my, I made a short film and you were like, just enter it into everything. There's that website yeah. without a box. And you're like, enter it into everything. You, everything. Know, you don't know what's going to happen. Everything. Um, and it just kind of gets the word out. And then I remember I took a bunch of general meetings at production companies and every movie that they mentioned that I was like, Oh, I like that movie. Like that would be a fun one to do. You were already attached to director for like years. Oh I really? Ari Sindel, of course. Yeah. It was like Camp Morningwood mm-hmm. was one and there mm-hmm. was one Siege of Fulton Avenue. Yeah. Siege they still haven't Avenue. gotten made. Siege of Neither Fulton one. Avenue was a great idea for a party movie and it got killed. Um, Project by, X. By Project X. Yeah. Project but it was like a can't hardly wait breakfast club. It's a true story where these kids, if you stayed in the basement long enough, the cops would leave you guys. would leave you alone. Right. It was and a stand. So, it was a stand. It was a stand party off. standoff movie, basically. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah. So for a while, every meeting I went on, your name would come up. So oh, wow, I had no so, idea. Yeah, you're a, you're an in demand director. Oh, sorry. Um, you did direct another one more thing. I want to mention is uh, you directed something called the Wild West Comedy Show, the where Vin, you the Vince Vaughn Wild West Comedy yeah, Show. Yeah. You went on tour with Vince Vaughn uh-huh. and you made a documentary. <coughs> yep. That's a pretty cool experience, right? It was cool a cool experience. I mean, you know, you always hear musicians complain about the the harsh lifestyle and being on the road yeah it's real yeah. it's horrible <laughs> it, it, it was brutal well, especially you're working while you're doing you're it. working and i mean i had to be up later than everyone and 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 wake up earlier because i had to get all the footage so i had to get footage of people of the bus pulling in and footage of the people waking up and then i had to stay up with them all night because what if something awesome happens at night <laughs> right. and some of these guys are up till four in the morning how'd you get picked did you know vince vaughn or i I'd known vince for a long time and his best friend and producing partner is peter billingsley who plays right. yeah, ralphie yeah. he was ralphie in a christmas story yeah i so met him he, recently actually. he was my first boss no way. What was your first job? I didn't my, even ask you. My first job was as a PA on a 
t- a talk show on FX called The X Show. It was like a late night guys talk show. It was so, yeah. kind of like the man show. Oh, okay. I figured you won an Oscar. You never had to be an assistant or anything. No, are you kidding me, man? <laughs> I, I know. I started as a PA, buddy. Okay. Uh, like it. everybody else. That's good. To and know. I, but I, the way I arranged sodas in the refrigerator was so brilliant that they, that he plucked me <laughs> out of the obscurity and asked me to be a field PA in the field department because Peter was a field producer. Yeah. And, uh, I was a hard worker, and he liked me, and we became very good friends, and I kind of climbed the ranks. I actually became the host of the show. Really? So, yeah, from PA. Oh, I yeah, don't know about this. Is, yeah, I was, a travel, I was a travel host. I, I had a whole two years. I was a, tra- I was I a travel correspondent for a TV show. No That way. was my very first job. The, the, my segment became the most popular part of the show, so now <laughs> Fox wanted to make a spinoff just with me. As The name of the show was called The Traveler. And I was going to be the executive producer. I was 24. I was like, Fuck, Hollywood's easy. What? This yeah. is my first job and I'm already executive producer. I'm on a national TV show. Fine. Wow. And of course, the, film, the, the world of development is slow. And I could sense that the main show, the X show, wasn't coming back for a third season. So I said, I'm going to go to film school. So that's what I did. I went to USC. Got it. And undergrad, where'd you go? Where'd you go? University of Arizona. Oh, okay. Oh, number one party school. Yeah. Well, Syracuse has recently no, taken Syracuse it over. Is, here's why Syracuse is not the number one party <laughs> well, school. recently. No, I, there's no recently. Here's what you need <laughs> to be a number one party school. You have to have good weather and attractive people. And you cannot have attractive people if you don't have good weather. Not to say that ugly people went to Syracuse. <laughs> I'm just saying when it's cold, well, everyone gets white. Everyone gets pale. Right. They wear heavy clothing. The girls I went to pre- Boulder for two years. Okay. And if you were a hot girl or a good-looking guy, let's just say you're a, a, a an eight- in general, you're like a seven or a six because you're wearing all sorts of heavy clothes and no makeup and or or you you're not in shape or you know it, it, you don't. Whereas in California, right, you're you're always having to be in shape, so you're. I feel like it boosts everybody, right? A, a rising tide rises all ships, <laughs> raises all ships. So if it? you go to college in a cold weather environment, you're a duff, basically. I think you're. <laughs> what I'm saying is, and this is not to say there aren't listen, there are attractive people at all schools. Yeah, very pretty girls at Syracuse. I'm sure. I'm sure, but. It's hard to have a good time when you're freezing your ass off. Right, you just tell, tell people in Boston right now. Right, it's the worst. Well, I went, I went for the film and television program, but in retrospect, now that I've lived in LA all this time, I realized that I was in the snow belt, like thirty inches of snow. I look back, I was like, "What was I doing?" I went to Boulder for two years. I'd never lived in a snow place. <laughs> I froze my ass off. And yeah. Boulder is considered even slightly warm for a snow place. I transferred to Arizona. <laughs> Girls would go to school to class in bikinis. Perfect. That was a normal thing. And I was like, oh, my God, what? This is the best place ever. Yeah, I could see you enjoying that. And yeah. so the net, your next movie should be a college comedy. If you've done, I would love to do a college you've comedy. Done the high school I'm comedy. dying to do a fraternity comedy. Oh, yeah. But the problem is I, I would want to do a fraternity comedy that's like grounded and kind of realistic. I don't want to do like one that's, you know, do, everybody assumes all fraternity guys are douchebags. Right. So you have, you have such a mountain you have to climb before you can ever get people to, like, be interested in it. Right. So, I don't know. That's a hard one. Well, what's next for you? I saw there was a movie that you attached to called The One That Got Away. Is that true or that's just internet? Um, no, that was, that's old. That's that, old that, was a, that was a while back. Yeah. Um, I, uh, right now, nothing. I, I'm really? kind of reading scripts and kind of trying to figure it out. Well, well, I think you wait till after opening weekend see what comes in on Yeah, Monday. or that comes back to bite me in the ass. No. I, I think it'll be fine. <laughs> I think people will – I think for me, you know, in Hollywood – Producers and executives will be whether the movie does well or not specifically through the box office. I think it will be received well. Yeah. So I think that and they will see that you're a very capable director. Yes. Uh, Do you think comedy? You're going to stick with comedy? Maybe romantic comedy or what kind of? I like all different kinds of comedy. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't want me to do a horror film because it'll end up being funny by accident. Right. 
I don't, you know, everything I've ever done has been comedy. I did a movie about, you know, the conflict in the Middle East. It was a comedy. I did a movie about a documentary and it was about comedians. Right. I did an action thing with Warner Brothers for this, this aim high thing. And it was a comedic action thing. So could you do drama down the line? You think? Um, yeah, I could do drama. You should do a war movie after everything you've said. Oh God, dude, I would, (laughs) I would love, I would love to do anything history related, man, because I'm such a history nerd. That, that, that I will, will help do. you. Win That's a hard Oscar. look. It's very hard to jump genres right. in this town. So, I think I need to establish myself first in in film and comedy, and then maybe I can start to try to get into other. Well, the good thing is, I, I feel like comedies comedy was very well respected this year. Birdman's basically a comedy. Grand Budapest Hotel is basically a comedy, and those are the Oscar contenders this year. So. You I can thought, win an Oscar being in the comedy world. That's sort true. Of. Yes, uh, yes. Although those are not, they, I would never consider those guys to be comedic. No, no, no. I don't think. But, <laughs> but the films are sort of. Yes, Wes Anderson's kind of. Comedic. Wes Anderson, yes, yeah. he, he is comedic. That's yeah. true. Um, I thought Birdman was like next level movie. I, yeah, I, I watched it and was so blown away by that movie. I know. Well, actually, so he just. Can we do a quick? Do you have time for a quick little Oscar? Sure. Prediction thing, sure. Because the Oscars are Sunday. You're an Oscar tur- winner. I have to turn in my votes today. Oh, you do? Okay. So let's. To, I have to wait. That's so why I have to go home and. Well, watch you could either reveal movie. it. You don't have to reveal who you're voting for. I'll say who I think is going to win. Sure. Uh, so the Oscars are Sunday. So uh, I'll just do like the top category. So supporting actress, obviously, I think is going to be Patricia Arquette for Boyhood. She's really? No- yeah, she's nominated against Laura Dern for Wild, Kira Knightley for Imitation Game, Emma Stone for Birdman, and Meryl Streep for Into the Woods. Uh, okay. And Patricia Arquette's won everything. I saw that with Jordan Ross actually in like July, opening weekend, Boyhood. And I know David Arquette. And I texted him, "Your sister's going to win an Oscar," and he texted back, "That's the plan." And this is July, and you know right. how it is. Like things change week right. to week. But she's been pretty consistent. She's won okay. everything. Who are you? Do you want to say who you're voting for? No, I will not say. Who do you want to say for. who you think you're, is going to win? I don't know, man. It's such a it's a hard one, dude. I, I will say I. I thought I was blown away by Birdman. Okay. I thought American Sniper was really good. Yeah. And, you know, people who, I think there's a political thing going on where you have some left wingers don't want to like it because the <laughs> right. right wing loves it. And right. then you've got right wingers who want to like it because they heard left wingers don't like it. Right. But also, I aside think aside from the, all that nonsense, at the end of the day, it's an it's a adaptation of a guy's autobiography. So I, I think. You know, guys, other people have said, like Seth Rogen, and other people have said, oh, this is a propaganda movie and it feels like it's pro war. This feels like the most effective anti war movie I've seen in a long time. Because right. to me, it's a movie about here is everything that America wants in a soldier. He's pro America. He's tough. He's a man's man. He's a badass. He's got more kills than anyone. He's a Navy SEAL. <laughs> right. He's a patriot. I mean, I love the guy. And even he came back broken. Right, and to me, it's like if if the best of the best is coming back, that affected. Right, it doesn't glorify him when he no, gets home. No, it it says a lot, and I think the fact that he wrote this book about that experience, about how the war, to many degrees, broke him, and how his, it was about his journey to come back, because right. it's again, it's a redemption movie, is a redemption story as well. I don't know, man. I just thought it was such a brilliantly. It's, I think it's one of Clint Eastwood's best movies. Well, it's I've seen. really connected. It's like uh, it's almost at three hundred million. It's like one of the yeah. top Warner Brothers movies I, of I all think time. Part of it is because a lot of the Iraq War movies and Afghanistan War movies have not done well because they're they deal with a lot of the nuance of war and a lot of stuff that most of America doesn't want to hear. Right. Things like we we didn't do it right. We didn't do very well out there. This might have been a waste of time. Things that people don't want to deal with, and I understand. Right. And this is a little bit more palatable. This is about an American going over there and yeah. kicking some ass. And it's the Clint Eastwood. The way version. it should be. Right. Like, this is the way you want to see the war. Yeah. And having said that, 
then you also see, wow, look what it did to him. Right. And I think, I mean, when Steven Spielberg was attached, I've read about how it was a different movie. Like it showed the other side and it oh. got into that. And, and that's not the movie they really ultimately wanted to make. And then Clint Eastwood came in and he did it the way we see it. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, Bradley Cooper is brilliant. Yeah. And so quickly, supporting actor, Robert Duvall for The Judge, Ethan Hawke for Boyhood, Ed Norton for Birdman, Mark Ruffalo, Foxcatcher, J.K. Simmons, Whiplash. My prediction is J.K. Simmons, which I actually said oh, he's amazing, so man. good in Whiplash. God, that movie's and that's another that that's the, his first movie that that for, director's first movie, and it was a short yeah. film that went to Sundance. And right. A year later, he had it was, he expanded it into was, a feature. It was also shortlisted for the Oscar. Right and oh right right right, but it, but it wasn't it nominated. Didn't nominated. Shocking okay. to me because I voted for it. <laughs> I voted to nominate it for as the Oscar. Short, yeah. yeah, and so I went to Sundance. It was Sundance 2014. My friend Austin's in the movie. We. Uh, we went opening night. Robert Redford introduced it. It was like the opening film, and we watched this movie. And I wrote on Twitter that night. I was like, "J.K. Simmons is winning an Oscar for best supporting actor." He's and amazing. He sustained another year of just, you know, so many movies came out, but he. There's no way you can beat that. I don't think. Um. I yeah. Ed Norton also was good. Who Ed Norton was. So if there was no J.K. Simmons, it's Ed Norton. Yeah. But yeah, Birdman. Birdman. I'll get to it in a sec. But Birdman has had this like second wind where it's starting to win everything now. Right. Boyhood was winning everything. Mm-hmm. You've been in movie mode, so you you missed it. You've been getting your movie out there, but but uh, best actress Marianne Cotillard, Two Days One Night, Felicity Jones, Theory of Everything, Julianne Moore, Still Alice, Rosamund Pike, Gone Girl, Reese Witherspoon, Wild. I think it's uh, Julianne Moore. She's been nominated so many times right. from Boogie Nights on. Um, she plays an Alzheimer's. Has she never won. Patient, never won. Oh. So she wins, I think, okay. because she deserves it, but also because she's never won. I, of course, I'm a little partial to Jennifer Aniston, who got snubbed for mm-hmm. Cake. She wasn't nominated. I, she wanted it bad. I don't know if you saw how much work, how much campaigning she was doing, mm-hmm. and then she didn't get it. Yeah. Um, so I think Julianne Moore, Best Actor, Steve Carell, Foxcatcher, Bradley Cooper, American Sniper, Benedict Cumberbatch, Imitation Game, Michael Keaton, Birdman, Eddie Redmayne, Theory of Everything. I personally think Michael Keaton, it's like one of those things, like yeah. his whole career has been leading up to it, Yeah, but he's neck and neck with Eddie Redmayne, who's so. Stephen Hawking, Yeah, and so they both won Golden Globes, Eddie Redmayne got the SAG and the BAFTA, so it might be Eddie Redmayne, yeah. I just think there's like this Birdman you know, thing happening. So I hope Michael Keaton is back now for good. As yeah, I think so. he's so good. It's cool, actually, kind of, because yeah. he, he did- Where did he go? I don't know. I, don't know I remember one time went. I was at El Carmen- which is that's where he was bar near here and he was in there he was there and this was like eight years ago and even then i was like thinking where the hell has he been right and that was eight years ago yeah six years ago i don't know birdman just brought him back right where has he been i don't know and i think they're doing a beetlejuice remake i heard that he's gonna be in or not remake but sequel but you know whatever he's back um there were some people like uh actually so bradley cooper there could be like a second win for that but he's the first actor since like Russell Crowe to get nominated three years in a row for Oscars, which is pretty cool because he came from the comedy world. And uh, the people that they left out were like Bill Murray for St. Vincent. Did you see that movie? No. I thought that was pretty I good. I heard it was good, yeah. And uh, David o- Oyelio for Selma, played yeah. Martin Luther King. There was mm-hmm. a little uproar about that. <laughs> yeah. And then. Well, now I heard, and I don't know if this is true, that yeah. part of the reason there wasn't. Because I do think it's a little bit insane that a movie can be nominated for Best Picture but not the director. Yeah. We'll but having said that. that, you only have five director nominations and you have up, up to ten. ten. So right. that's obviously going to happen. Right. Having said that, yeah. what I had heard was they didn't send out screeners. Right. Because apparently they wanted people to watch in the theater. I don't know. Or they weren't insane. ready in time maybe. Yeah. So if that's the case, then it's not about, oh, Hollywood hates I know. You know, the, minorities. Because that just statistically is not correct. I think, I think it's not but true. But it either. was really a bad you know, move on their part not to get those screeners out. Right. And I, and I think um, 
people keep saying Selma snub, Selma snub, Selma snub, but it got nominated for Best Picture. So I think you can't really say a movie gets completely snubbed when it right. gets to the Best Picture nomination. Right. Um, but then Best Director, Alejandro Iñárritu, Birdman, Richard Linklater, Boyhood, Bennett Miller, Foxcatcher, Wes Anderson, Grand Budapest Hotel, Morton Tildum, Imitation Game. The three who didn't get nominated, whose movies did, were... Clint Eastwood for American Sniper, which I think if the nominations came out a little later, he would have mm. after this movie was so huge. Uh, Ava DuVernay for Selma and Damien Chazelle for Whiplash. So their movies got nominated, but they didn't. And then... Yeah, God, Damien Chazelle for Whiplash. I mean... Yeah. I know. And another... If there were 10, and maybe they should do 10 directors and 10 in movies. I don't know. It I don't seems think like, they should do 10 movies. <laughs> seems like I thought many. the whole reason they went to 10 was because of The Dark Knight. Right, right, right. The Dark Knight, years ago, should have been nominated, and it didn't. And they said it's because we can only allow five, and every and they, and they Dark Knight came in at number, the number six. Right. So what they should have said is we can you can nominate up to seven. <laughs> Instead, they seven, said right. ten. Up to ten. Ten. Right. Well, when you say up to ten, it, gets, it ends up being ten. No, but now it's eight. It, it's that's eight, also no, it's nine. It's nine. This year's eight. Oh, it's eight? Okay. Which is so, annoying, too, because if we can have ten now, we only have eight. <laughs> now it's like... So I just don't think you need... Right. There are not ten best pictures. I know. There's always feels seven. Like there's I a think few. is fine. Seven's that, a good number. Then, then you're fine. What do you think about doing every category six or seven? No, no, no. You got to cut five. it off, man. Yeah, yeah. Listen, not everyone can win. Not everyone can get nominated. It's 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 the way it is. Yeah. Well, the the last category, best picture: uh, American Sniper, Birdman, Boyhood, Grand Budapest Hotel, Imitation Game, Selma, Theory of Everything, Whiplash. Personally, I say Boyhood. As uh, the as the winner of the best picture, I don't. I thought Did you it, think was it was awesome. the best picture. Yeah, I really. Well, Birdman and Boyhood, but they're they're, they're just so in, different, incomparable. Really, you like Birdman more? I thought Birdman was such a. It was. A, they were both I, in here. What is? I respect Boyhood for what they did. It was right. amazing. Yeah, it was an amazing idea and attempt and and an execution of something it was great. Yeah, but to me, Birdman was such a next level movie. Yeah, and the way it's shot, the way it's acted, the way it's thought out, I was so it was pretty genius. Blown away by it. I know. Even while I was watching it, going, "Oh my!" I God. was. I couldn't even breathe while I was watching it because it never lets yeah, up never for stopped. a second. Yeah. It feels like all one take, and yeah. they really did a nice job with that. I agree. I mean, I, I actually want to watch it again, but the, um, the one thing that I'm pushing for is for them to have a, another category, which is for stunts. Oh, really? Stunt choreography, oh, which they've been talking about forever, right? But they don't want to do it because they don't want to. In, they don't want to add to the size of the academy. Right. They don't want to add to the telecast because it's already too long. But they're also always complaining, and it's justified that you know we have so many art house movies in the every year in the telecast. We're not attracting enough regular American audiences. Well, that that goes back to the Dark Knight thing. They were like, we need right. bigger movies to get nominated. So, so more this is one watch. way to include more big movies. Oh, interesting. Which is with stunt choreography. Plus, stunt choreography is an art, man, and it's in a major part of every film, almost every film. I mean, you know, has some element of of stunts. It is artistry for yeah. sure, and it is craftsmanship for sure. So I think the fact that they're not not honored is 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 really unfortunate. Yeah, and they're not even in the technical. Wow. And the other, you know, the other group lobbying to get an Oscar category is casting. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of directors that are against it that don't want, that think right. that the director gets credit for casting. Uh, you know, I, and it's not to take anything away from the contribution of casting directors because they do, they are an integral part of it. But yeah, I, I, I would be less inclined to push for that only because everything you add to the to ceremony just makes it longer. Right. So to me, <laughs> right. to me but, the, the, the added benefit of the stunts is that you're also making this now more open to bigger movies right. and it brings in more audiences. Right. The casting directors, I don't think that, 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 that won't affect anything. Right. So I think uh, it will be either Boyhood or Birdman. Birdman won the PGA and the SAG and Ensemble. And so, and then um, 
couple other things like Bennett Miller was nominated for best director Foxcatcher not nominated for best picture that's mm-hmm. a strange thing that happened Lego movie I thought would win best animated Wait, movie Bennett Miller was nominated for best director but the movie was, was not. not right it's strange that's crazy isn't it weird yes um, <laughs> uh, it's weird how, how that happens and then but then that's why I say just do 10 because it would have been 9 or 10 and then Lego movie I thought would win best animated that's feature shocking. not nominated that's shocking and I thought the best documentary was going to be Life Itself, the Roger Ebert one, which I saw yeah. at Sundance, not nominated. So it's weird when you think somebody's going to yeah, win isn't and then not nominated. Wow. Yeah. Maybe, you didn't realize how... Maybe Ebert made so many enemies. That, maybe, maybe. Right, right. You know, who knows? Um, see, when you were going through it, you didn't realize how tricky no. it was. It's no. almost better that you didn't realize I didn't time. know anything, man. But it made it worthwhile. Um, okay, the very last thing we do is called the mystery question, mm-hmm. where the guest from my last podcast puts a question in an envelope that I haven't seen, and mm-hmm. then I give it to my next guest, and they open it, and it's the last question they answer. Okay. And then you'll leave one for my Wow, now I feel a lot of pressure, not in answering this one, but in coming up what is one? my next question going to be? Well, you'll have time to think about that. Here we go. Wow, I like that dramatic rip. And it's written in silver <laughs> paint pen. Wow. Oh, my guest on the last podcast, his name's Alex Bay. He directed a movie that he also wrote and starred in called Warren that just came out. So he wrote the question okay, for you. Okay, here it goes. Hi, who was your childhood crush, and did you ever have that reconnect moment? Well, that's from his movie as a romantic movie. Oh, uh, okay. But it kind of works with the Duff, too. Who was my first childhood crush? Uh, all right, I would say her name was Lee Rubin. Nice Jewish girl. Nice Jewish girl. This is at Heschel Day School here in <laughs> here in the Valley. Uh, I was in the from ki- this was kindergarten through third grade. Wow. Yeah. Um, did we ever have years. a reconnect moment? Her mother ended up being my math tutor in the tenth and eleventh grade. Now, does she come to your house or you go to? her I house? would go to her house. Oh, perfect. And every now and then I would run into Lee. Wow. And we nothing ever happened. We just we kind of I think we all we both kind of. <laughs> liked each other still, but I think she, at that point she had a boyfriend or whatever, and I was just there to get my math tutor, <laughs> right. my, math, my math tutoring. Um, but that's all. I think that's the last time I've seen her was maybe, maybe when I was uh, seventeen or eighteen years old. Maybe add her on Facebook or something. Yeah, maybe I should look for her. She's probably married. See I don't if know. she's married. Yeah. And did you have someone in high school like a like the Duff situation, like that platonic girlfriend who maybe could have been more? I feel like everyone sort of has their mm. best friend, best female friend. Or you? No, I don't think so. No. no. If you had a not, crush, you would just went after her. If there was a girl I liked, then I... No, there was tons of girls I liked that I never even had the guts to talk to. Are you kidding me? I was I was shy in high school. See if you I mean, I was a now. big mouth, for sure. I got kicked out of every class. Oh, me too. Good. Yeah, there you go. But I was but a good student. I was a good student, so that great, made it right. That's yes, it. like they would write on the report card, uh, Brett is uh, an excellent student. He just needs to know he's not the only one in the class. Oh, God. I got <laughs> things like he is the ringleader of all chaos. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I got a horrible. I, it's funny because I literally learned that word ringleader at a very young age. I didn't. I never heard of it until I got called ringleader about twenty times. But that's your job now. Yeah. See, that's, that's the job. thing. We ended up wanting to be directors who yeah. are the ringleader. You got to be go. leader. I was. I was voted class clown and life of the party. Um, I, we didn't I've have a life of the turned party. Turned it into a career. You have an Oscar-winning career, yeah. and I have awesome parties. You do have awesome parties. <laughs> so do I. Wow. We really, we really yeah. lived up to what was expected of yeah. us. Um, so here's an envelope and a card, and you can leave a mystery question for okay. the next guest, whoever that will be. And that's right. a wrap on episode 39. Thank you, Ari, for being here. It was my pleasure, man. I hope you had fun on your first podcast. I loved it. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, check out The Duff. It's in theaters this weekend, February 20th. You'll be glad you did. It's really fun. And add me on your Instagram, Ari, at Ari Sandel. Don't yeah, even follow say at, right? Just yeah, yeah. At, oh, I do? Yeah. Okay. A-R-I. I'm new. He's new. A-R-I-S-A-N-D-E-L. And, of course, you can DM him if you'd like to. Um, you know, get to know him a little better. I'll explain that what that is. direct message? Yeah, direct oh, message. Hey, buddy. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's a wrap on this episode, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.